So today we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 in your pew Bibles, that's page 1803. Again, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, that's page 1803. And what I want to do is just read this scripture, and then I'm going to talk just for a moment about the context of it. So 2 Corinthians 9, and I'm actually going to start in verse 6, okay? Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your hearts to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, I want to go ahead and ease some concerns today, because the immediate context of this passage is money. Okay, and I know if there's, if there's one thing I know about Christians, it's that we tend to get uneasy when somebody talks to us about money for 25 to 30 minutes. But what I want to do today is give you a quick context of what's going on and then extrapolate or extract one of the principles that Paul's getting at today. So this is in Paul's third correspondence to the church at Corinth. They kind of have a question and answer format going on. Um, what seems to have happened is the Corinthian church asked Paul some questions. Paul sent back a response. That's 1 Corinthians. They send back some more questions. He sends back another response. That's 2 Corinthians. And what Paul is doing on his missionary journeys is he is going all throughout Macedonia and collecting an offering for the church in Jerusalem. And he's coming to this unruly church plant in Corinth that Paul started, and he's saying, look, all these other churches have given, and God has blessed them tremendously, and now it is your turn to give so that you might be blessed by God. Okay, so that's the immediate context. And then in verse 8, Paul grounds this principle in the character of God. He says this, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So I just want want to focus on that this morning. I want to talk about how God is able. You see, some of us don't believe that. But today I want to talk about, just very simply, God is able. Ability is defined as the possession of the means or skills to do something. Ability is the possession of the means or skills to do something. You see, you and I have varying abilities, right? I have the ability to get up and ramble on most any subject for 25 to 30 minutes. All right, rambling is my spiritual gift. And that's my wheelhouse. If I leave this job, I am in trouble, okay? I need this job. Some of you guys can do that as well. You have that ability. Some of you in the room do not have that ability. You would absolutely freeze up and shut down if you were up here for 25 to 30 minutes. Now, some of you in this room have the ability to take care of someone in the case of, say, a medical emergency. There are physicians, nurses, ENTs, trained medical personnel who have the ability to take care of someone in case of an emergency. If, say, you and I were alone, we were out at lunch, and you had a medical emergency, I'm sorry. I can't help you with that. I can pray for you, maybe lay hands on you and hope for the best, but I don't have the ability. Now, I have the potential. We all have the potential. I could go back, do pre-med, med school, residency, fellowship, become a doctor, physician, and have that ability, but I have potential. So I'm going to throw something out there, and it might seem controversial at first, but hear me out. 
God has no potential. All right, when we talk very simply about God, when we talk about the Godhead, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, God has no potential. God does not grow in his ability to do things. What I'm saying is that God will not get better at loving. He is perfectly loving, right? God will not get better at making just and wise decisions. Why? Because he's perfectly just and he's perfectly wise. He will not pick up new hobbies. He will not develop new loves and passions. God has no potential. All ability is God's. Today I want to talk very simply, because when's the last time we heard a sermon just about God? I want to talk very simply just about God. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, when he was 20 years old, penned this. Oh, there is, in contemplating Christ, a balm for every wound. In musing on the Father, there is a quietus for every grief. And in the influence of the Holy Spirit, there is a balsam for every sore. Would you lose your sorrows? Would you drown your cares? Then go, plunge yourself into the Godhead's deepest seas. Be lost in his immensity. And you shall come forth as from a couch of rest, refreshed and invigorated. I know nothing which can so comfort the soul, so calm the swelling billows of sorrows and grief, so speak peace to the winds of trial as a devout musing upon the subject of the God's head. So can we do that this morning? Is that okay with you guys? I'm glad somebody said yes, because if not, I've got nothing, okay? Um, So let's talk about what is God able to do? Can God? God is able. What is God's ability? Okay, every piece of Scripture, every book, every chapter, every verse of Scripture reveals something to us about the character and nature of God. The Bible, 66 books, 1,189 chapters, reveal to us the glory and the character of who God is. And in Psalm 50, God says this about himself. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the creatures of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. Psalm 50 is telling us of the expanse and the reign of God. He owns it all. In fact, Deuteronomy would tell us that to God the Lord belong the heavens and the heavens of heavens and the earth and the fullness thereof. God owns everything. All right, in your mind you're going, well, what about everything? All right, God owns everything. Every piece of asteroid that is adrift in the expanse of space Every grain of sand on the seashore, every star that it has set burning at its temperatures, every seed that goes into the ground to produce a tree, every sunset on every planet and every corner of the galaxy belongs to God. God owns everything. Your car, God owns it. Your 401k, God owns it. Your health, God owns it. He is the ruler and master and sovereign of the universe. Now here at First Pres, we are what we like to call reformed. 
okay? Um, I'm a Calvinist to the hilt. I'm a purveyor of weapons-grade Calvinism. And we use this big word with a very simple meaning, okay? We like to say that God is sovereign. And all that means is that he is the ultimate ruler. He possesses all power. God rules and reigns over the vast expanse of all that there is. Can you, guys, think about this for a second. Can you begin to get your head around all that God owns? He owns everything. Okay, but not only does God own everything, he can do anything and everything. You and I are limited people, right? We're limited. We are boxed in. We are confined by um, our ability or our potential, our power. We are boxed in and defined by our capital and the amount of raw resources that we have available to us. So First Pres, we want to build this building. We have a capital campaign um, that's going on or about to launch, and um, we have this grand design for an incredible, incredible building. It glorifies God. There's a worship and arts facility. There's a new youth facility. There's a coffee shop. And for once, there's parking. Praise Christ. There's a lot of parking. It's going to be glorious. Right now, we have the potential to build that, but we don't have the ability. Now, God is not confined by the same limitations that we are. God has never had to apply for a line of credit. He has never had to take out um, a debt to anyone. God is not confined by the same things we are. In fact, God can do anything. He can create anything and as much of anything as he desires at any point, right? In Genesis 1, we see this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And how did he do it? Did he consult Google Images? Did he call up Fifth Third Bank and request a loan? No, he creates from the very word of his mouth. He just said, earth, and boom, there's an earth. God, ex nihilo, or out of nothing, can create as much raw material as he wants. Paul in Romans chapter 11 says, oh, the depths of the riches of God. From January 1st to May 1st, Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon, made $250 million a day, Uh, $33 billion over the course of just a few months. In comparison to the riches of God, Jeff Bezos is a beggar. He's a pauper. I don't want to say what that makes me and you. Oh, the depths of the riches of God. So here's the thing about God. God owns everything. He's able. God can do anything and as much of anything as he wants whenever he wants to. He is able. But what else can God do? What else is he able to do? We have this big word that starts with an O. It's omniscience. What does that mean? Somebody give it to me. All, what? All right, got to wake up, guys. All knowing. God knows everything. God knows every bit of information ever. Everything. God knows every bit of science, every bit of math, every bit of music, God knows, as one pastor put it, every word in every chapter, in every book, in any language ever written. He knows it all. 
He knows everything at the micro level. He knows every bit of cellular division and he knows everything at the macro level. He knows every event that has ever transpired and how that event plays into every other event that has transpired and how that will affect the course of the future because God knows everything. I can't do simple addition in my head past double digits. And God knows everything. 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 So this might seem like a weird sermon today. Why are, we, why are we doing this? Why are we talking about the expanse of God's knowledge, his character, and his nature? Because in the Gospels, Jesus does something interesting. Jesus begins to reveal to us even more in depth than it already has been. But he begins to reveal to us God's intense and personal care for you. You see, all throughout the Gospels, Jesus makes it very clear that God not only knows you, he knows you better than you know you. He knows your passions. He knows your fears. He knows your insecurities and the things that produce anxiety in your life. He knows your doubts. He knows the sins that you struggle with. There is nothing hidden before the eyes of the Lord because he knows everything. He knows you, and he calls you by name, and this morning he cares about you more than you will ever be able to get your head around. So let's bring this back to Corinthians. Second Corinthians says this again, verse six, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your hearts to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. How does this fit in with what just happened? God is able. You see, life, life has a way of getting tough very quickly, right? And if any of you have lived past, I don't know, three, four weeks, um, you, you know that in the matter of one phone call, your entire day, your entire week, your entire year, your entire life could change. And some of you have gotten diagnosis of terminal illness, or some of you might have lost a loved one. Some of you have kids that are going astray and dealing with addiction. Some of you have sins that have beset you on all sides for a year, a decade majority of your life, and somewhere along the way, we doubt that God can. And what we tend to do is we think, well, maybe that's just how God was back then. Maybe he used to do miracles, and maybe he really intimately cared about the person's life back then when the Bible was being written, but I, I don't believe he's going to deliver me. I don't think that he can overcome this issue, or, or maybe this is just who I am and I can't change. And we begin to put limits on God's ability in our own lives. A lot of times students will come up to me and, and they'll have this question, can God? And I just stop them immediately. And I say, unless you're about to say a sin, the answer is yes. Because the only thing that scripture tells us that God can't do is sin. Can God? Yes. Yes, he can. Can God fix your marriage? Yes. Can God overcome your insecurities about your own life? Yes. 
Can God squash that addiction that you've been dealing with for years and years and years? And no matter where you go, no matter what avenue you go down, no matter what kind of treatment you get, it just keeps coming back. Yes. Can God help you? Yes. Does God care about you? Yes. You see, the thing is, I think we believe the theology behind all this, but we don't believe it to be true for our lives. We believe the, you know, oh yeah, okay, there's the philosophical system, there's the theology, there's the systematic approach to it, but we don't actually believe that God cares about us, but over and over and over, the scriptures tell us that God does care about you, and he can, whatever the can is, he can do it. Can God? Yes. So here's my thing. I think a lot of times we have a situation that comes up in our lives, whatever that may be, fill in the blank for your own personal experience. And we have a situation that pops up and we say, maybe that's just too big for God. And so we pray these kind of um, maintenance prayers. Well, God, here's the situation, just help us within this thing. And I think sometimes we even fear that maybe our prayers are just too big for God. But I wanna spin that because a lot of times I find that our prayers are just too small for God. I find that sometimes our prayers aren't big enough, that we're not putting enough faith into the power and the ability of a God who rules and reigns over the vast expanse of the universe. And when we get our heads around that, all of a sudden our problems don't seem so big. All of a sudden, God seems a lot bigger, and it seems like he can help us a lot more with these issues, right? Pray bigger prayers. Why? Because God is able. Here's my question. Um, What have you given up on too early in your life? What thing, what sin, what issue have you said, well, I prayed about that a few times, nothing ever happened? Or I went to God over and over and over and there was never any reconciliation in this relationship? Or I've tried everything I can, but I, I just can't get this marriage thing to be resolved. What have you given up on too early? Because you thought God can't, or he won't, or he's not listening, or this prayer is just too big for him to overcome. And believer, today, I would challenge you, take it back to God, because he can. Jesus tells us you have not, because you ask not. And I think some of us are so scared of the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel that we're afraid to ask God for anything. That we don't want to ask God for blessings in our life. We don't want to ask God for healing because, oh, we don't want to be like those guys. But God says, if you just ask, I will listen and I will do this thing. You have not because you ask not. First, our prayers are too small. Can you imagine the amazing things that God would do if we just kind of up the ante on our prayer life? If we asked God for big things and then we actually believed that he can and he will do it. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. We've talked about this at length before that um, God's blessings on our lives are conduits into our, or I'm sorry, that are conduits for us to go and be missional, to go and 
make change and have an impact in the culture and the society around us, that God will bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. When God called Abraham, he said, I'm calling you so that you will be a blessing to others. And that's our call this morning. So what what have you given up on? What have you said, no, that's just too far beyond the scope of God? Or you've just resolved that this is who I am. I'm going to struggle with this thing, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to have this sin, or this is how this relationship is going to be until the day that I die. What have you given up on too early? Two Thursdays ago, we took the students to Carowinds. And it was just a good decision in our minds. Um, Carowinds on July, it was just brilliant and very, very hot. Um, so my nephew came up from North Augusta. He lives there, and he came up, and he was so excited. He'd been looking forward to Carowinds for like a month. I mean, every time we talked, every time we texted, it's all about Carowinds. Are you going to ride this, or are we going to go on Fury? How many times are we going to do this ride? And he was excited. He spent the night at my house, and then that morning, um, I kind of slept through my alarm. And we got in my truck, and we were going as fast as we could to get here legally, like legally as fast as we could. And... Got to do that because somebody's going to send an email later. Um, but the entire ride, the, the 10, 15-minute ride from my house to First Press, he was panicked. We're going to miss the bus. We're going to miss the bus. We're not going to be able to go to Carowinds. And I'm, I'm not a morning person. So finally I looked over at him and I said, Tristan, I booked the bus. It doesn't leave the parking lot without me. I got to be there. The driver's not going anywhere until I show up. You see, this whole time, he was so focused on missing the bus, he was so focused on his anxieties and his stress that he forgot that the guy with the ability to call the shots was sitting right next to him. The bus doesn't leave until I show up, sorry. You see, sometimes I think you and I find ourselves in situations where we're so concerned with our situation that we forget the guy with the ability to do something about it is with us. That the God of the universe knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows your passions and your fears more so than you do. And we actually believe he's not going to take care of us. Hmm. First Presbyterian Church, people of God, what have you given up on too early? What small prayers do you need to take up a notch? And do you believe that he can? Because he's able. Let's pray. Father God, this morning we are excited that we can just dive into your character and just hear about you. God, we know that you're able. Help us to believe that in our own lives, Father. Help us to worship you. Help us to lay down our burdens at the foot of the cross that we we don't have to figure them all out ourselves. We don't have to take care of the home team because you take care of us. Father, watch over us in your kindness and your grace and your omniscience. You know every fear of ours, Lord. Comfort us, Lord. In Christ's name we pray, amen.